Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me today to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Part of our Timeless Testament series, we're talking about David and Goliath this morning. And I want to title this message, The Lion, the Bear, and the Giant. The Lion, the Bear, and the Giant. As you're turning to 1 Samuel 17, uh, Billy Sunday was a famed uh, baseball player back in the late 1800s. Uh, and early 1900s, and uh, he transitioned into one of the greatest evangelists in the Midwest, and he once said this, he said, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I've got a head. I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. And when I'm old and fistless and toothless, I'll gum it till I go home to glory and it goes home to hell. Amen. Amen. And so we're in a fight. We want to get some grit in us, all right? Can we get some grit against the evil that is permeating this world and even the old things that are permeating uh, in our culture and us even? Uh, So we're going to talk about being in a fight today. And maybe today you're losing heart uh, because of a giant problem in your life. Or maybe there is something that's terrorizing and taunting you. And maybe today some of us are at war within our own mind or our own members of our body or maybe even members of our family. Uh, Lord, help us. But we're all in a battle of some sort. There's something in all of our lives, especially the believer. We, can, uh, we know that Jesus Christ is coming, that He's victorious, but He's also promised us there's going to be trial and tribulation. Paul tells us there's going to be struggles. Uh, and the Christian is promised a both external war and an internal war. Externally, we are promised to fight things from a hate-filled, loveless world. An unjust world. We're going to fight the hatred and persecution of unbelievers, maybe even in our own family, maybe even in our own marriages, maybe even through our own children. We're going to fight the tension of dealing with unbelievers. And sometimes that comes from physical attacks and violence, or it comes from emotional attacks uh, and hurts and pains and losses in our life. Uh, or even the loneliness of being set apart and cast aside, missed out on that promotion, missed out uh, from different things in your life. But there's also an internal battle. Internally, there are fleshly desires that war against our soul, 1 Peter says. says our minds and our bodies try to hold us captive to sin, Paul said in Romans 7. But not only that, our true enemy, the devil, uh, Paul tells Timothy that he's always trying to snare us with temptation. He wants that foothold in our life to bring us back down to the old man. So always inside of us, there are going to either be things at your job, your families, your situations, uh, your coworkers, or your children, that you're always going to be battling things maybe externally because we live in a sin-filled world. But there's also internal things that we deal with the old man, the old self, the old flesh, the carnal nature, and we deal with the devil who wants to put snares out, and he's got his legions who are there to try to trap you and tempt you into making bad decisions. And so in this world, you can think about giants. There's, there's giants against marriage. There's giants against family. There's giants against peace and love and joy and hope. There's giants against self-control. The, Lord, uh, the devil knows he doesn't want you to have self, self-control. And if you're in this world, you're going to be helpless a lot of the times to combat these things. So we're going to talk about what it takes to be a victorious believer in Jesus Christ. And simply this, that those who win against spiritual giants are those who are going to fight by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're really talking about fighting by faith and fighting by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about the story of uh, David. 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'm going to paraphrase some of this, but look with me in verse 26, and I'll get you there. Okay, so it's been years into the kingship of Saul, and Saul has not had a good road so far with God. 
And in fact, Saul has uh, had a really bumpy road with God. And 27 years after having victory against the Philistines, they show back up. This time, bigger and badder than ever. And they fi- we find that here we are in this battle... And on, there's a valley, and on one side of the valley is the Israelite army, and on the other side is the Philistine army. And every day for 40 days, this Philistine champion named Goliath has gone out morning and evening taunting and cursing Israel and Saul. And he uh, beckons them to send one man out to fight in single-hand combat, and the winner would determine the victory of the battle. In fact, it would determine the victory of the whole nation. And so Israel standing there. They've got little to no armor. Goliath is standing there. Uh, he's nine foot tall. Okay, get this. Now, Jewish people are not very tall people. Now, so he's definitely a giant. Some of you guys, some of these guys over here, you know, is six foot tall, and nine foot, okay, three foot taller. But now these Jewish guys are short, right? And so this guy is almost double their height. You know, they're thinking, man, uh, he's nine foot tall. He's got over 125 pounds of armor on, a bronze helmet, mesh scaled armor, leg plates. He's got this huge bronze javelin uh, with a nine pound iron tip. And he's got his own dude before him with a big old shield. And he's standing there cursing and taunting Israel, shouting out, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And the Bible says that Saul and Israel were greatly afraid, even that when Goliath would come out, the men of Israel would back up because they were scared of every time that giant came out in the morning and in the evening. And so that's kind of where the setting of this is. And so now we find David is the youngest son of Jesse, and David has been told by his father, uh, hey, go out to the front line. The battle has gone on. Normally these battles only last a few days, but this is at a standstill because of the terror and the fear that is in Israel. And so for 40 days it's gone on. So send your brothers reinforcements. Take some bread and some other things with him to the front line. So David, he leaves the sheep. He goes uh, to the front line. And as he's there, this little boy, probably around 10 to 15 years old, hears the taunting of this giant. And he gets uh, enraged in a sense. And he, tell, he looks to the guys there on the front line. He says, what's going to be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Now, can you imagine that picture? Here's these guys, 40, 50 years old. You know, they've been battle-worn, uh, battle-torn, and they're there. Now, Israel's only got like pitchforks and stuff now, right? They've been winning battles for years with no armor and no swords, okay? And so maybe there's a few now in, uh, who have some military stuff in there, but Israel had been, uh, the Philistines did not allow access to iron uh, for Israel. So Israel is really just, when they win, it's going to be a big deal. And here's this little boy comes out there and looking at these guys and saying, what are you guys doing? Everybody's standing around. What you doing? There's the dude right there. He's taunting you. He's cursing you. He's cursing God. He's cursing you. He's cursing the king. What what is going to be done about this? Now, Saul had promised some riches to give, and he promised freedom from taxes. He promised his daughter in marriage to the victor, but nobody's got the courage. So here's this little boy. Saul hears about it in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. He look, at, look there with me. They bring David to Saul because Saul uh, kind of knew David. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul says, You're not able to go and fight against him. You're just a youth. While he's been a warrior from his youth, you're a boy. And he's been a a warrior since he was a boy. 
And so David says, But your servant was tending the father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from the mouth. And he rose up against me. I seized him by the beard. I struck him and I killed him. How many 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 guys were you doing that? I know you guys are shooting deer and, and wild hogs and stuff maybe here in Louisiana. But how many people are wrestling lions and bears at 12 years old? Okay. Now, this, this little boy is pretty stout now. And so he's like, I, if... If your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine, he'll be like one of them. And since he's taunted the armies of the living God, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he'll deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, man, that's pretty crazy, right? So Saul puts his armor on him. It doesn't fit. It, you know, it's all awkward. So David says, I haven't tested it. And so I'm going to go out with what I know. And so David, he gets his staff in one hand. He gets his sling in the other. He goes to the brook. He finds five smooth stones, puts them in his shepherd's bag. He goes out there uh, to the front line as the Philistine giant approaches. And, and so, man, this Philistine begins to curse David up and down, uh, talking about his mama and his God and all kinds of stuff. And he begins uh, to... Uh, say all these things, even cursing David by his own gods. And David says, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you taunted. This day the Lord is going to deliver you. Now, you've got to picture this. A 10-year-old little boy, short, 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 and a 9-foot giant armored. I mean, it's like a, a flea and a dog, right? You know, and he said, this day the Lord will deliver you up to my hands. I'll strike you down, remove your head from you. I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds, the sky, the beasts of the earth. And the whole earth is going to know there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly is going to know the Lord doesn't deliver by a sword, a spear, for the battle is the Lord's. and He's going to give you into my hands. That giant gets up. David takes off running, picks that stone, throws it up, hits him square in the head. Boom, giant falls down. End of story. David runs off there cuts his head off, takes it back to Saul. Here's a trophy for you. Man, the battle is the Lord's. Amen? Amen. All of Israel sees that, begins to cheer and chant, chases off after the Philistines. They all begin to run away and flee, and God gets the glory. Now, that's a pretty cool, almost impossible story, right? And so let's, let's just be real. This is a real story. It really happened. This is not some make-believe cool little fairy tale. This really happened. And God put it in Scripture for a reason but here's what I want to look at today. How in the world did a little boy do this? And where did the gall, the, the, the boldness, the power of this little boy come from that even at 15, 10 to 15 years old, he is taking on something that no man in Israel of all the armies of Israel, even Saul and Jonathan, his son. Jonathan was taking out Philistines 20 men at a time. Now, this is, these are not just weak men here. These are battle-ready uh, battle men and who've seen victory, who's been there. But the fear of this took them over. So what is it? You know, in life, we're going to come against giants. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, for you and for me, I want to look at this in the way of, of how this applies to my life. And maybe I'm not going to be going against nine-foot-tall Philistines, but there are some nine-foot-tall problems you and I are going to encounter in life. There are some giant problems you and I may deal with as a believer. Uh, and while the Old Testament is very physical 
and physically illustrated. The New Testament for us is very spiritual and spiritually illustrated. And so Paul says, hey, today you as a believer, you're fighting not just against flesh and blood. You're fighting against uh, evil rulers and authorities of unseen world. There's Philistines in this other dimension. There are mighty powers of darkness. There are evil spirits in heavenly places that are really coming against you. That's kind of intimidating, don't you think? I mean, how many people want to go up against a demon? How many Christians are ready to cast out demons in this world today or come against heavenly forces? We don't see it. A lot of times we don't pretend they're there. We just go along with our day and we just, you know, believe that it's just us and God. And we talk about the devil sometimes. But really, there are spiritual warfare going on all around. And there's a lot of things happening in the world today because of these mighty powers of darkness. And so the enemy here has got the biggest and baddest looking dude. They've got more troops and more armor. And let's bring that to the light today. Perhaps today you're standing in light of an addiction. Or maybe you're standing in light of an abuse that happened to you as a child. Or maybe you're standing uh, with this teenage rebellion you're fighting in your home or this uh, divorce or this trouble uh, in your life. Or maybe it's an impossible situation of some other means. And the devil is there taunting you and he's saying, uh, this is bigger and badder than your God. This problem is so big, there's nothing you can do to get victory. You are going to be stuck with this forever. You're powerless to overcome your addiction. You're powerless to forgive that person. You're powerless to see any change in your life. Uh, There's nothing that's going to happen. And so the enemy's first lie for us is this, that he thinks he's bigger than your God. Amen? That's what he wants you to think. He's bigger than your God. The next thing you go and the the enemy comes out, he says, I want to get in single combat. Goliath knew that one-on-one, man, he could take out anybody by himself. Note that the enemy did not just come with an all-out assault on Israel. They had a scheme uh, to get victory in their own way. They set forth the conditions for victory. They said, we're going to send our best guy out because we know he's big and bad. And if you'd send your best guy out one-on-one, we know that he's going to win. And sometimes the enemy uh, likes to do that. He wants to skew things in your favor. Most importantly, he wanted to get Saul or Jonathan out there alone on the battlefield. And if he could kill Saul or if he could kill Jonathan, he knew that the battle would be over. The whole troop of Israel would run and flee. And mom and dad, the devil knows if he can get you alone, if he can get you defeated, if he can make you fall and commit adultery in your marriage, if he can make you fall into drugs or alcohol or pornography or addiction, if he can make you get mean or mad at your family and curse them back and forth, if he can do that to you, then he's going to demoralize the whole troop. The enemy's biggest lie is that you're alone. You're alone. That he's, number one, that he's bigger and badder then you're God. Number two, that he can get you alone. He's going to defeat you and he's got you. He wants to get you out there by himself in single combat. And he knows if he can defeat one, he can demoralize the whole troop. Next, he comes off with taunting and terrorizing. The best weapon Goliath had really was not the javelin and the nine pound spear or all the armor and his size. It was the taunting. It was the terrorizing. He didn't even touch anybody. He didn't hurt anybody. But for 40 days, he spewed cursing and lies and nothing. And the enemy wants to tell you you're no good. God doesn't love you. He can't help you. You're nothing. That you, He remembers all your faults. He remembers all your failures. That he's not with you. And if you took this on, you'd lose. And the enemy wants to tell you that. If you take on this addiction, you're going to lose. If you take on this issue or this problem, you're going to lose. If you try to uh, bring, there's no possible way a revival is going to come to your family. There's no possible way your kids are going to come back to God. There's no possible way God's going to meet that financial need for you. And I just want you to know that it was mental before it was physical. 
It was spiritual before it was physical. And the same is true for you. The battlefield first starts in the mind. And all the temptations of this world can't help, can affect you physically if we're fighting the battle first here and in our hearts, mentally and spiritually. And so that day, Goliath had really already won against Israel before any arrow or any sword was slung. Because all of the lies, all of the fear tactics, all the terrorizing, and maybe today you're paralyzed by fear. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5.18 that Satan is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's, he's fighting, uh, he's roaring out and lying. He's, uh, he's wanting to make you believe the lies that you're no good. And if you take me on, you'll lose. Spurgeon once wrote, he said, we must conquer or be conquered. There's no standing still. Israel standing still lost. For 40 days, they were losing. And the longer they standed there, the more fear they had. The more they listened to the lies of the enemy, the worse it got in their troop. The worse they ever felt like they could fight. And that, that fear began demoralizing their faith. The lies of this world that the church is never going to have revival. It's not possible in Gina, Louisiana. There's no way that God can move like He did back then. There's no way that we don't see healings and miracles. We just don't see that stuff anymore. We don't, God doesn't raise the dead like He used used to. He did that way back when. There's no way that God still delivers from alcoholism and adultery and abuse and divorce and all these things. God, uh, if you just try harder and you just go through life and deal with it, then you'll be okay. Just get by, little Christian. Just be okay. Sit there in your pew, sing your little hymns and go to heaven. The devil doesn't want you fighting battles. He's lying against you. He's taunting you. He wants to get you alone. And he's setting the terms of victory for your church and for your family. He's trying to set the terms of victory. And the Bible says in James 4, 7, If we would, though, surrender to God, resist the devil. I love what the CEV says. He says, not just that he will flee from you, but resist the devil and he will run from you. I love that translation. He'll run from you. So there's life's giants. But what happened with Saul here? For 27 years, they had victory, but yet they were fleeing in fear. Now, Saul's enemies returned. His past is now caught up with him. And this time, they came out bigger and badder. And isn't that just like the enemy? You think he's gone, but he just comes back worse than before. Well, I thought I dealt with that years ago. And it just shows back up at your door one day. Oh, I thought we got over those arguments, but yet they just keep coming back up. Verse 17 and verse 24 says, When they heard and saw him, they were dismayed. They were greatly afraid. They even fled. It was as if he comes out and shouted. They're like, oh, you know. And sometimes it's like on Monday morning, the devil just catches you off guard. And you're like, oh, I thought that was over. I thought that we fixed this. I thought that that problem was gone. I thought God delivered me on Sunday from smoking or drugs or cursing or all that. But here it is. It's back at the door again, over and over again. I thought I dealt with that thing and it was dead. But yet here it is. I thought that pain and that hurt that somebody did to me. I thought, but then I saw them at Walmart the other day. And then there it is. All that emotion, all that pain just came right back up. And the devil likes to do that. You thought he was dead, but the Bible says he keeps coming back. He's tempting us until that time. He knows his time is near. And so what made the difference this time for Saul? Saul had defeated him before. Now, maybe it wasn't Goliath, but he defeated the Philistines. So why couldn't Saul fight? Look in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. Just one chapter back. 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. What was the difference? Why couldn't Saul and Israel get the victory? Why a standstill for 40 days? The Bible says that the reason was the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, 
and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that God sent something, but God allowed demonic spirits to terrorize him because when the Holy Spirit leaves, there's nothing there. That, that the Bible says, and Jesus even said, that when the Spirit of God leaves, where you cast one out, seven more come back. It was worse off for Saul. And so basically, Saul is at a place. He's got two giants in his life. In front of him is this enemy who's come back bigger and badder. But on the inside, he was already facing a giant before he ever got to that battlefield. He was facing a terror, a fear, a loneliness, paranoia, All the demons of his heart and his life were terrorizing him on the inside. So he had an external problem, but he really had an internal problem. So the real giant facing him was this sin issue in his life. Because he was demoralized, he was fighting depression, he was fighting fear and failure and emptiness because he was separated from God. And the reason Saul could not face the physical giant is because he was facing spiritual giants. You know, often that alcoholism, that drug addiction, or that sexual addiction, or that depression, or, or many, many things that we could list today, those are really often symptoms of a spiritual battle. Why I believe in counseling, and I believe in medication, I believe in, in psychology, I believe in all of that. But oftentimes, that those are symptoms of an internal problem that we have not been made complete in Jesus Christ. We're going to deal with those things. I know great Christians who deal with those things. But at the same time, Saul had a spiritual issue. And because he could not handle the spiritual issue, couldn't get the spiritual issue right, he had a physical manifestation of that problem. All right? And so today, it's that Sometimes it's I'm, I'm getting lost in drugs or alcohol. I'm drinking to make my problems go away. That pain that my dad did to me or whatever, I'm not fulfilled in my life. We turn to those things to satisfy. And Saul was doing the same thing. The Bible says that Saul, when he felt bad and depressed and overwhelmed, he'd go get some little boys and some musicians and they would play worship music. And it would go away just for a little while. Then it'd come back. He could even go get his priests. He'd go get his priest and go to the ark of God and, and, and feel like he pacified it. But you know what? God would never answer. And so that would even lead to more. And so you can turn to alcohol and sex and you can turn to drugs. You can turn to relationships. You can turn to all these things, but it's only going to satisfy for a little while. That high won't be high forever. And that relationship won't feel good forever because the real fulfillment every person needs is in Jesus Christ. It's all in him. And Saul didn't have it. He had that emptiness. And so there's giants in this world you and I cannot face alone without God. And the biggest giant of all is our sin. No man or woman in this room, no little boy and no little girl, can gain the victory over our sin without God. Long ago, Saul had left serving the Lord for serving himself. He'd left fighting for the Lord for fighting for himself. And note this, that in God's kingdom, if you want to fight for yourself... You'll be fighting by yourself. We're in God's kingdom. He's the king. We fight his battles. We fight a part of his team. We fight for his glory. And Saul began to fight for his own glory. He began to fight for his own battles. He began to fight for his own pride, his own ambition, his own glory, his own power, his own fame, his own territory. And as more and more as you and I fight to advance that job for my purposes... Gain that relationship for my pleasure or or do those things and those hobbies for my glory, my peace, my pleasure. You'll be sure to find out you'll be fighting your battles alone, just like Saul. 
because Saul had left fighting for the Lord and fighting, turned to fighting for himself. And so because his heart failed, so did all the hearts of Israel. And I'll say it again, mom and dad, if you don't have a right relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to lead your family straight into defeat. And if your heart is not right, it's going to demoralize the whole troop. We set the, we set the pace for our family. We set the, the pathway for our family. We set the, the standard. And as we begin to have a heart of faith and not fear, that begins to carry over to those around us. It was all empty. And here we find Saul and this little boy, this little kingdom fighter, just crazy, Here's this, now, now get, the, get, the, get the, this, the, what the enemy had put out. He said, whoever wins will get to be the lords of Israel. You know, if you win, you'll lord over the Philistines, and if we win, we'll lord over Israel. And really, it was Saul's job to go out there. He's, he was the king. He had the sword. He had the standard. He was supposed to have the anointing, the power. Here's this little boy. Saul had no doubt already completely given up. He's, he's just ready to say, we're just going to surrender and turn it all in. Maybe today you're feeling like you're going to give up. I don't, I don't have it. I don't have the strength to, to endure this, this teenager anymore. I don't have the strength to endure this marriage anymore. I don't have the strength to overcome this addiction or this problem, this hurt, this pain, this loneliness, this regret. I just, I just give up. I can't make it in this world anymore. I'm tired. Saul was at that place, totally given up. So to that point, a little boy shows up to which he will risk his whole kingdom on this little boy. Why? Why would he risk everything on this little boy? He's come up, this little, tiny little boy. And he says, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to win. You know, he's like, and Saul's like, dude, he's been a giant since he was a little boy. He's been fighting... How is this going to happen? And then something happens in Saul that he sees something. You know, people are inspired by faith. People are inspired by a spirit-filled person. People are inspired for a person who has this unction of the Holy Spirit to believe that, no, there can be real change in your life. This doesn't have to be what all the lies you've been told, all the things, the status quo of today does not have to be. There is a place beyond the physical where the supernatural comes into play and our God shows up. He can still show up in a marriage. He can still show up in an alcoholic's bedroom. He can still show up right there before you're about to cut yourself or hang yourself. God, in the natural, there's, just doesn't always seem right. But when the supernatural comes in, then that's where God begins to move. And so David inspired Saul to say, let me be the one that hangs on. Let, let me be, all of it would hang on this one little boy. And no doubt Saul was thinking, it's all over. It's done. At least he's going to go out a hero. You know, they'll have a good funeral for this little 10, 15-year-old boy. And so he goes out, and what Saul should have done to his own demons, David did to Goliath. What Saul should have done to his own demons, David did to Goliath. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant's going to go and fight with this Philistine. Your servant's killed the lion, the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. Why? What was the victory in that? This kingdom fighter of a little boy, number one, he had a right relationship with God. If you want to have victory today, number one is this. You've got to have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. It's got to be something that's come from, from his identity that has come into you. Number two is this. 
David fought for kingdom purpose. He fought that no man's heart in Israel was failing. He, it made him mad. When he came to that front line, he saw fear in the house of God. He saw faith fleeing because of fear in the house of God. It made him a mad, righteous indignation. He wanted to say, how dare you, devil? How dare you bring defeat into the house and the people of God? I'm making a stand against defeat in the house of God. Christians should not have the same divorce rate or the same drug rate or the same uh, scandals and all this stuff that we have in the church today. It should be a standard against the enemy that we say, our God is for us, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I'm taking a standard for my family, my friends, my community, my church. Today's go day, devil. How dare you, right? That's, that's that indignation. Because it wasn't about David and it wasn't about the giant. David cared. It could have been a rabbit. It could have been a 10, 12, 13 foot tall giant. It wouldn't have mattered. David was interested in the glory of God. If you want to have victory in your battles today, it comes, number one, through a right relationship with Jesus Christ. But it comes, two, number two is that you have got to be fighting for the glory of God. If you're just fighting to have a bigger, better, three-bedroom, four-bath home with more boats and cars, you're going to be, you're going to be fighting alone. If you're fighting that you'd get more pride and people would like you better and that job would make you look so good and, and things would be better for your family, you're going to be fighting alone. God is not going to give you that job. If you get it, it's because you your own self got it. And then it's going to turn out bad in the end. If you're fighting because, oh, she's so fine or he's so good looking, I think this is what I want for my life and they're just so wonderful and they smile pretty and they got all their teeth. You know, if you're looking for that thing, it's Louisiana, right? If you're looking for that thing because... It makes you feel good, or is it because God has told you this is the person I have for you, right? You're fighting for your own glory, or you're going to fight for God's glory. David was not fighting. He, he could go back to sheep herding. He was fighting because he saw defeat in the house of the Lord, and he wanted God to get the glory. Amen? Number two, if you want to get victory in your life, in your marriage, your family, you've got to be fighting for the glory of God. And so we see that there is life's giants... And he, all the Israelites were fleeing in fear. But David was fighting in faith. All right? Now bear with me. Bring it all in. There were two things that David had that made all the difference. It was his power and his presence. Now let's go back. We've got to rewind a little bit in the story to really make it all come home. So where, would, where did all this stuff come from in this little bitty boy? All right? How did he get there? How did it happen? So rewind. Look in 1 Samuel 16, verse 18. David, before this moment ever happened, before this moment ever happened, this little boy had a reputation. It had made it all the way to the king's court that a little country boy, shepherd boy, out in the the bush, it said in 1 Samuel 16, verse 18, the king's court heard David, probably, let's say an 8-year-old little boy, 10-year-old little boy, was a skillful musician, look at this, He was a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. He'd never fought a single giant. He was a little boy out there with some sheep, but it made it all the way to the king's court that this little boy was a mighty warrior, a mighty man of valor, that the Lord was with him. How in the world does a 10-year-old little boy get the reputation in his community that makes it to the ears of the king? He's never fought a single battle. He's never fought a giant. He's never fought a Philistine. But a little boy in the middle of nowhere 
was a mighty warrior. Think about that. Where does that come from? And it comes from, look at 1 Samuel 17, 37. He said, because God delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the, in the same word in Hebrew, the paw of this Philistine. He's nothing. I'm delivered from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, and God is going to deliver me from the paw, the hand of this Philistine. God had been with David from the very beginning. David had a testimony, just like you and I have a testimony that Jesus Christ has saved my soul, delivered me from some things. I may not have fought the battles you're fighting now, but I know that in my life I have a testimony that God has been me with the lion and the bear, and I know that if he's been with me with the lion and the bear, he's going to be with me for the next giant and the next giant and the next giant. Amen? And so David becomes a mighty warrior, and though he hadn't tested Saul's armor, he had tested God's divine protection. And he had the armor of God, and he had a private life with God that had prepared him from public, for public battles. You have a private life with God that is preparing you for public battles. And that giant came from bearing with God through life's trials at home. You know, it starts at the home. It starts in that personal prayer life. It starts in that personal devotional life. That every day I'm in my Bible. Every day I'm in my Word. Every little thing that comes, that, that TV going through the channels, I'm, I'm turning my eyes from those things. Or I'm, I'm not listening to that music anymore. I'm turning those little things, those little things that always irritate, those little things that always build up in our life, that irritating uh, dialogue at work or those little words that slip up. I'm, I'm working on myself at home, building myself up in my holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, being full of the Holy Spirit in my personal time with God, seeing God work at the little things, even as a shepherd boy alone with God. I know that God was with David from the very beginning. And he said, God got me through this problem. He got me through that problem. He's been faithful. I've been faithful to him. And if God has been faithful from all of those, God's going to continue to be faithful again. His power came from his faith in God. And his presence came from the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can go back even further. Where did he get the power over a lion? as a 10-year-old little boy, and power over a bear. One, that's just crazy. Because I, I wouldn't even jump on a wild hog or, or a deer or, I mean, a squirrel might freak me out. You know, grab that squirrel and just, you know, just be gnawing its teeth at you, you know. But this little 10-year-old boy takes on a bear and a lion with his bare hands. Where does that come from? And you may think today you are not much. And who am I to take on this problem? I need Pastor Heath to pray for me because I can't take on this problem. No, you got Jesus Christ interceding for you. you got the Holy Spirit who is within you. Greater is He who is in you than that problem, that circumstance. I don't care if it's a squirrel, a lion, or a bear. You got it. And so why? 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. I'm wrapping it up. Samuel, he took the horn of oil. He anointed David in the midst of his brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forth. You know what the word upon? It is that baptism word. It means the Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost. It was a fullness of presence. But God had come within them. And God had come upon them. And David was baptized in the Holy Spirit with 
power. That word is anointing. The word anointing means set apart for a purpose with power. That's what anointing means, that God has called you for a specific purpose, and He's going to give you the power to accomplish it. What does Jesus say for us on the day of Pentecost? For us is that I have called you to this great commission, but wait until you receive the power that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's going to come upon you. It's the same thing. The Bible says in 1 John that we have received the anointing of Jesus Christ. That He has come because He's abiding with you and you are abiding with Him. That He has poured that oil of the Holy Spirit upon you. You and I have the same anointing that Jesus Christ had. When He left this world, He says, I'm going to leave you with something. The Comforter, He's going to come. He breathed on His Holy Spirit, uh, on His disciples by the Holy Spirit. He filled them with the Holy Spirit in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. And their life was radically changed. But not just because they had the purpose to do it, but the power to do it. Saul had the appearance of the king, but David had the anointing of the king. That's the difference. Some people in the world today have the appearance of a Christian, and other people got the anointing of a Christian. You understand today? Saul had the priest, he had the Ark of the Covenant, he had all the fanfare, he had the crown, he had the the army, he had all of it but he didn't have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I don't care what church you go to. I don't care how many Christian t-shirts you own or your bumper sticker or what radio station you listen to or how many cuss words you don't say or do say. Those are all great things. You should do and do and, and, and be better in all those things. But unless you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks yokes of the enemy, you are powerless. You are powerless. And we can have all the name and we can have all the logos and we can have all the programs but we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes with a purpose and power to break down enemy strongholds. Amen? And let me close with this. Here's what we know today, and here's how it applies to you and I. David had faith, and he had the Spirit. He had power, and he had a purpose. Today, your and my faith comes from Jesus Christ. There was a little boy who told his heavenly Father, I'll go. And God said, son, take them on the front lines who are being defeated by the enemy, some heavenly bread. And when Jesus came down to this earth with his heavenly bread, the word of God, he became flesh and dwelt among us. And as we stood there defeated by all the lies of our sin, all the armies of sin, all the legions of the enemy, and this great giant, the devil, stood there taunting and terrorizing and roaring like a lion, Jesus got a little bit mad. He got a little bit of righteous indignation and said, this is God's people. This is God's children. The Bible says that on, in Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2 that he took his, our sin, he nailed it to a cross and ended the written code against us, and then he made a spectacle of the enemy triumphing over him on the cross. And he took to death all those things, killing our giant. We got a bigger giant on our team. That's Jesus Christ, our little boy that, that nobody thought was much. But he went out there in the power of the Lord. And so 1 John 5 tells us, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It is our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you want to have uh, power and victory today, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that comes by faith. 
And then you have to have His Holy Spirit living within you. That is the anointing, the outpouring, that you have the power today. The Bible says to tell the good news. You have the power to expand His kingdom. You have the power in the full armor of God, His truth, His righteousness, His peace, His faith, His salvation, His word. Luke says you have the power to tread on demonic serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing of these is going to injure you. And so Paul says, for that reason, I'm going to pray in the Spirit at all times. Amen? You have faith that... Mm, faith, Jesus Christ has killed your giants. And Warren Wisby says it this way. He says, as a Christian, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. It's a difference. The battle's already won. And if I'm anybody in this story, you know who I am? I'm hopefully one of the Philistine, so- I mean, the Israelite soldiers who saw Jesus go out there, take out my giant, and I say, yeah, let's go and run because the enemy is fleeing. So church, listen to me. When we are trying to build the kingdom of God here in LaSalle Parish, Louisiana, we do not stand in a place of defeat. We stand in a place of victory because the battle was won when Jesus died on the cross and killed that giant. We now are parading forward, chasing after the enemy, not thinking the enemy is still winning and still taunting and still lying to us and still standing there. We're in a stalemate. But when you become a born-again, spirit-filled believer, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you become an enemy chaser because the battle is already won. Stand to your feet this morning. Worship team, would you come? Hallelujah, Lord God. Father God, we just welcome you in this place today. God, Lord, for every lie of the enemy, we just come against it with a standard. Those that are fighting battles in their marriages, fighting battles with their teenagers, fighting battles with lost sons or daughters or relatives, God, those that are fighting faith, that God, that you're not going to provide. Lord, whatever it is in their life today, Lord, that we have been taunted and terrorized too much. God, we are taking a stand today, Lord, as fathers as mothers, as leaders in our family, leaders in our community, to take back what the enemy has stolen from us, that we stand in faith today, no longer under the fear and the terror of the enemy. For our David has come. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He reigns forevermore. He is victorious. He is the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And Lord, we did give you glory today. Lord, we give you glory. Come on, church, let's just praise the Lord. We give you glory today, O God. We give you glory today, O God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. You got a battle today that you want to win. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor Heath, that is me. I have been fighting battles. I feel like I've fought them on my own. And today I'm choosing to fight in faith by Jesus Christ. And maybe today you are here and you don't have peace with God. The first step to victory is have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Like Saul, to give up fighting for yourself. Give up fighting for your own glory and to turn to Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He wants to give you victory today. He loves you. He's angered that the enemy has taken life from you. He wants to give you eternal life, life abundantly, overcoming life, more than conquering life, life filled with joy, abundance, and peace and prosperity today. You don't have to come under the lies of the enemy anymore, church. Come on, let's intercede for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Let's intercede for strongholds to be broken down in our community. We're interceding for souls to be saved, lives to be won, families to be changed, marriages to be restored, children to come back home to be saved and set free. It's not going to happen through counseling. It's not going to happen through a program or it's going to happen through a people. 
who would raise a standard by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Let's intercede today all across this building. Let's lift up those family members. Let's lift up those friends. Let's lift up those marriages, those wayward spouses. Hallelujah, Lord God. Holy, 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 holy. Lord, we intercede today. Lord, break every chain, oh God. Lord, we stand in faith today, not hype. We stand in faith today, not religion. We stand in faith today, God. We don't stand in programs. We stand in faith today. Lord, we need the power of the Holy Spirit like we've never needed it before. Lord, we need the power of the Holy Spirit today. The fullness of the Holy Spirit today in every family, every father today to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, against all the lies and the tactics of the enemy, all the schemes of the devil. Lord, today we lift our voices, O oh God, with a shout of victory. Jesus has come. He's won the battle. Hallelujah, Lord God. Holy are you, Lord Jesus. Worthy are you, Lord God. You're here today. You just raise your hand and say, Pastor Heath, I've got to give my life to Jesus Christ today. You just make that profession. Just you and God. You just say, Lord, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. And secondly, you just say, that's me. The devil has been trying to destroy my family, been trying to destroy my life, been trying to war against my mind, take my peace, take my faith. I stand today in the faith that Jesus Christ, whoever is born of God, overcomes the world. Hallelujah. And this is the victory that is our faith, that Jesus Christ has come. He's already won, devil. He's already won. Hallelujah, Lord. This is how I fight my battles. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Holy, holy. Let's sing this song today. If you know it or not, just begin to worship the Lord. Let's just begin to praise God today. He's worthy, oh God. He's worthy, oh God. You need prayer today? Our elders will be a part of the altars. You just come find a place. We're going to worship God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Worthy, 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 worthy.